Right. I would like you to take your Bibles, if you will, and find Luke's Gospel, chapter number 2, the place where we just read from this morning. I want to share some things I think will be a help and a blessing to you, an encouragement, at least I hope they will be. Luke's chapter number 2. We have been looking at the last several weeks the, the message of the angels, the things that the angels have said during this Christmas season. Uh, the words they spoke to Zechariah, and then the words they spoke to Mary, then the words that they spoke to Joseph. What's interesting to see the message from the angel in all the first three of those messages have to do with the nation of Israel. How John the Baptist is to be the forerunner before the Messiah to go forth and to prepare the way for the Messiah, which is the coming from the nation of Israel. Then to Mary, he told that her son would be the king, and, and, uh, and she was giving birth to that child. And to Joseph, again, having to do with the nation of Israel, there was no reference in any of those things about the world and uh, being a sacrifice, uh, anything like that. So we come now to chapter number 2, where the angel makes his fourth appearance to the shepherds. And today we'll look at what the message the angel has to say to the shepherds and <clears throat> try to make application for us and uh, how it will help us and encourage us in our walk with the Lord. Now again, Brother John read all of this and read it very eloquently this morning. And so we're going to uh, jump down to verse number 8. And uh, verse, chapter 2, verse 8 says, And there was in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. Let's pray and ask the Lord to bless his word this morning. Father, we're thankful. For all that's been done, the songs, the special music, the, uh, the ladies singing, the choir, Lord, our, my heart has been stirred. And, and we thank that you thought about us, sinful men. We have this wonderful gift, the gift of a Savior, to redeem us, to make it possible for us to have access to heaven. Now, Lord, help us to cast off the world for just a few moments, to pay attention to the Scriptures, that, Lord, we may see where we can be helped and encouraged. To find what's wrong with us that we may be fixed by what you, the blessed Holy Spirit of God, has to say. As always, I ask that you would say in hearts what I can only say in ears. And that, Lord, if anybody today does not know Christ as Savior, that they would be saved. That Christians would see the great gift that has been given and the sacrifice that has been made. And they would see this, this heavy calling, this responsibility that has been placed upon us to go and tell the good news to others. Bless this time and this hour now. We love and thank you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As we look at the shepherds here, we, we cannot think about the shepherds in this story without the angel. They, they, they go hand in hand. The shepherds of Bethlehem, the angel of the Lord, and then the heavenly host. Are all They are inseparable. When we think about the angel of the Lord here in this story, this term is found throughout the scriptures. We find the angel of the Lord mentioned several times in the Old Testament 
and then when we see him here in the New Testament. Now, it is Gabriel who appears to Zechariah. It is Gabriel who appears to uh, Mary. It is Gabriel who appears to Joseph. But in this story, we are not told the name of the angel. We're just told it's the angel of the Lord. And we just naturally assume it to be Gabriel. And there's, we really can't argue or debate on that. We just don't have a name. But we just naturally, since Gabriel seems to be the messenger, that the, this angel who delivers these messages from God, that it is probably Gabriel again. We would not... Uh, be 100%, but we would be willing to go out on a limb and say that would be the case here in this story. And I want us to notice something here this morning when we think about the angel and what took place and the shepherds here in this story. It says in verse number 9, And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. There's something unique with angels. And again, angels are separate created beings. They are, angels are not mom and dad or any loved ones that have gone up before. Humans do not become angels and angels do not become humans. They are two separate beings. Angels were created by God. The word angel simply means messenger, servant. That's all they do. They're servants of God to do what God wants them to do. And if God tells them to deliver a message, they deliver a message. If God says go and help somebody, they go and help somebody. They simply do what God tells them to do. But we notice this unique uh, glory about them. It says, And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. What exactly is that? What exactly is the glory of the Lord? Well, let me start off by discouraging all of us by saying we, we really don't know because it's a very wide and broad definition as it's found throughout Scripture. It, 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 we see it all throughout the Bible, the glory of the Lord, and each time we see it, something is different about it. A, a different attribute of God and His nature is present in this idea of the glory of the Lord. So defining the glory of the Lord really is impossible. So how do we explain something that you and I have never seen, something that you and I have never experienced? Again, all, the, all we have are episodes in Scripture. And really, it, it could be a reference, and it, and it does reference to the display God's magnificence. The, the, the power of God. It could also mean, as we see in place in Scripture, it means praise and, and honor being showered upon His great name. Regardless of the understanding, there's still, this is still just the tip of the iceberg to what we're seeing here, what God is doing. When we think about God's glory, we have never seen it. When we get to heaven, we'll understand the glory of God. We'll, we'll, we'll enter into that that absolute presence of God and, and be consumed with it and, and, and the awesomeness of it. It's something, again, that beyond human comprehension, we get a glimpse of this in Scripture. And I want us to try to unpack this just a little bit. The, the glory of God, again, it's, it's His magnificence. It's His worth. It's His loveliness. It's His grandeur. And God's many perfections are on display here. Again, God's a holy God. You and I don't understand holiness because all we know is sin. We know the taste of sin. We know giving into temptation, the, absolute, the idea of absolute purity and no sin, no, no desire for it is foreign to us. But God is, is a holy God. And those who enter into God's presence get a glimpse of this. And this is manifested in many ways in a small sampling of what man can understand. 
if you take your Bible, and again, we don't do a lot of turning this morning, but take your Bible, look at Exodus chapter number 33 to give you an understanding of what is happening to the shepherds and what the angel is doing here and what the shepherds have experienced. We see experience maybe a little bit in the Old Testament. In Exodus chapter number 33, the second book in your Bible, we find Moses, the servant of God, is desiring to see God. Now, if God is talking to you, and God is telling you to do things, and God is using you, and I think it would be natural for all of us to say, God, I, I, I want, I'd like to see you. I want to know what you're looking for, because Moses has never seen God. He's just heard God. And God is speaking to Moses in a way that he's never spoken to anybody since Adam, where God is speaking uh, unto Moses. And the Bible says face to face, although Moses cannot see God's face. But it's just as if God is there and Moses is hearing the voice of God and Moses is getting the instructions from God. And he says in verse number 18, he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. Show me thy glory. Moses wants to see the glory of God. Now God equates his glory... I want you to see what, how God equates his, verse number 19. He said, And I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee. And will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy to, to whom I will show mercy. When we think of, the, of God's glory, what does God allow Moses to see when he sees his glory? But it is the goodness of God. And you need to understand, we all understand that God is a good God. Even though there's a lot of bad things going on in this world, someday they will all be rectified and made right. But God is a good God. Sin is bad, Satan is bad, and, and a lot of humans are bad, but God is good. And, and, and Moses sees the glory of God. If we jump over to verse number uh, 20, again, God, he wants to see his face. He wants to see God for who God is. And, and don't and have you ever thought about God? I remember I would lay in bed as a boy thinking, what does God look like? I, I like to know what God looks like. It, it's a, it must, it, God's a spirit, the Bible says. And, and although he's not a ghost or, or some shadowy figure, God does have a figure and, he, and, and a face and a voice. But he says in verse 20, and he said, Thou cannot see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. God in his absolute holiness, in such a way man cannot see it and live. Man in his natural state cannot look upon God and live. It's, it's, it's consuming. The Bible also says something else. It says that God is a consuming fire. You say, what's that mean? I don't know either, but it's just a description of God. I'm sorry for my ignorance, but I just, I've never seen that. But again, the idea of God being a consuming fire is he's a holy God who who will deal in righteousness and judgment. But Moses wants to see God and he cannot, but he said, you can't see my face and live. So what I'm going to do for you, Moses, he says in verse 21, and the Lord said, behold, there is a place by, by me and thou shalt stand upon a rock and it shall come to pass while my glory passes by that I will put thee in the cliff of the rock and will, and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. And I will take away my hand, and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. <laughs> now, my friend, wouldn't you like to have seen that? 
wouldn't you like to have be Moses and God cover you with his hand and as God passes by Moses sees whatever the back part of God looks like now whatever it was when later on when Moses comes down off the mountain Moses is glowing so much so that they have to put a veil over him because he's glowing that he's blinding everybody he, he has absorbed in some sense the glory of God this light this presence of God is now and by the way, the Bible says God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. So again, more descriptions of God and God's glory. So when we come to our angels here and we see them, we, we see them experiencing this glory of God now shines upon It is God's goodness proclaiming the birth of a Savior. The long-awaited promised Messiah is now here. When we think of Jesus Christ, we think of John chapter 1, verse 14, where it says that, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His what? Glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus Christ is, the, is God's glory manifested in person. Again, I haven't seen Jesus Christ. You have not seen Jesus Christ. And, and no one knows what Christ looks like, but... We sing the song, Veiled in flesh the Godhead see, Hail the incarnate deity. Jesus Christ, God, manifested in flesh, but the glory of God is veiled in that flesh. And when Christ does his miracles, Christ is doing his miracles, it's a manifestation of the glory of God, God's goodness, God healing, God delivering people, God helping people with their problems. All Christ went... Everywhere he went, he went out doing good, helping people. That's the goodness of God. That's, that's who God is. God desires to do good. And God wants to do good. The Bible says in Luke, if we go back to Luke's gospel, we can not keep our finger there in Exodus anymore. We will not need it. But in Luke chapter number 2, in verse number 32, it says, A light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of of thy people Israel. Again, Christ is that light from God. When Christ speaks in John's gospel, he says, I am the light of the world. Again, this business of his glory. Again, all that Christ did reveals his glory. In Christ, the glory of God is, is meekly veiled. It becomes approachable. God, where he told Moses, you can't see me and live. I've got to hide you in a rock and pass by. In Christ, man is now allowed to come up to that glory. Man can touch that glory. Man can uh, touch the, the hem of his garment and be healed. Man can have the, forgive me, the spittle of that glory placed in mud and placed upon their eyes and their eyes be opened and see. It's God's goodness. In Christ, the glory of God, again, is, is meekly veiled. It's approachable. It's, it's something we can know. I, I can understand that. Years ago, we had a man in church had a heart attack. We were on Saturday at the hospital. The doctor came out, and he said, well, uh, and he started speaking with $40 words. Well, you know, he had a blah, blah, blah in the artery. and I'm like, doc, English, doc, English. And so he brought it down to where I can understand it. He said, well, basically, it was the, he had a block in the widow maker artery, 
but we were able to clear him and save his life. I said, thank you, I understand that. I appreciate that. Sometimes people may want to use those $40 words on you, and, and when you've got a 25-cent vocabulary, you need to have it broken down just a little bit. Well, my friend, with God, Jesus Christ is coming down to where we can understand, to where we can comprehend, where we can begin to relate to this person. And in Jesus Christ, we have our high priest who's been touched with our infirmities, the Bible says. So when we see this story here, when we think of the angels, and it, it tells us that these shepherds were all of a sudden this light. It had to be a light because it said it shone about them. So this light, the glory of God, not a spotlight, not the, the, the light of some uh, beacon somewhere, but God's glory, the heavens open, and the glory of God descends upon these men, and they are consumed with it so much so that they are terrified by this happening. The goodness of God overwhelms them. They don't understand it, but they see this angel speaking to them and telling them this good news. Wouldn't you like to have been there? Of all the places in the Scripture, I think about where would I like to be if I could be in... Places, which one would I choose? I'd like to be at Bethlehem at that night. Maybe not in that group, but maybe on the hillside looking over watching this and saying, that's pretty, that's pretty awesome. It's a pretty awesome sight. I don't know if we've ever been outside. My wife and I several years ago took a vacation. We're out in the western part of Pennsylvania out there in the hills. And they call it the wilds out there. It's a very neat place. And so one thing we did one night is they had a stargazing thing. I really didn't know what to expect. But it, be, it went beyond my expectations as we stood out there on a mountaintop in, in an open field in, in, in Pennsylvania staring at the night sky. And this guy had all these different cameras aimed at the sky. And he began to explain the universe to us and pointing out different things. As you can see the heavens. And, and it was a lot to it, more than just you know some guy with a, with a stick. It, it was fascinating to think about it all. But as we sat there in the night there in those, on the mountaintop, you can hear in the woods the coyotes howling and screaming, and I'm like, and being from New Jersey, you're like, anybody packing? Anybody, anybody, got, anything, anybody got anything on them? Because, uh, you're, and the guy's like, don't worry about them. They won't bother us. I'm like, so, you know, but you, and then you calm down, and you're like, and so when, it came time to go to the car. You walk into the darkness, like, come on, sweetheart, move it, move it, move it. And uh, I sure hate that to, to leave you here and look to the coyotes as I run away and uh, just take off. But these men are used to the night. They're used to the sounds that go on in the night. My father-in-law tells the story of him camping on the streams in, in Jacksonville, or not in Jacksonville, but in Florida somewhere one night. And, and as they lay there on the stream uh, fishing and, and doing camping, and they heard a panther scream. I said, I never heard a panther scream. He goes, you don't want to hear a panther scream. He says, because when you hear it, it sounds like a woman screaming with a terrified scream. And, and he said, you get this strange feeling that starts in your lower back, like a corkscrew and winds its way all the way up your back. And he said, we just laid there, grabbed our guns and just laid there. As this, we, and in the morning, we got up and, and about 50 yards from us, we saw panther footprints on the, on the banks there. So it's a terrifying thing to be at night, and as long as you have a gun, you feel a little bit safer. But when it's just your hands, you just, again, you don't have to be necessarily fast. You just have to be faster than the person you're with. 
That's all that's, all that's required, amen? <laughs> that's how I always looked at that thing. Or, or at least trip somebody as, you're, as you may be losing that race. These men are used to the night sky. They're used to being outdoors. They're probably used to the sounds of things in the wild. And, and they have their shepherd staff. David fought off a lion and David fought off other animals with his shepherd staff. They, they're used to these things. All of a sudden, these, these men are used to the night seas and now all of a sudden are terrified beyond imagination as an angel of the Lord appears in them and the glory of God shines around about them and they are given the wonderful news that, again, when God shows up, we don't have to fear. God has good news. God wants to do something for us. He gives this message, the message of the angel. What does the angel have to say? The angel said, fear not, for I bring you good tidings of great joy. My friend, it's not just joy, but it's good tidings of great joy. <laughs> I got to get some really good news for you men and it's to all people for unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior which is Christ the Lord I want you to concentrate on the last two words of verse number 10 that this news is for who all people the first three appearances of the angel to Zechariah Mary and Joseph had to deal with the nation of Israel and all of a sudden now the angels message turns and the message is for all people all people. It's not just for Jewish people, but it's for all people. And I, we need to understand some theology and how the, the, what God is doing here, what God has for us. The angel so far has made all his appearances to Jewish people. These are all men and women of, of, in Israel of Jewish nationality practicing the Jewish faith according to the scriptures and doing everything that God has for them. But God's salvation is not just for people of Jewish skin. It's for all people. The first appearances have all been to Jewish people. And then later on when we think about the Christmas story, who else is part of the Christmas story but the, the wise men? The wise men come. Now who are the wise men? We've discussed them previously in other messages. These are men from the area of what is now modern-day Iraq, the area of Baghdad and that part of the world. These are these men from this area. These are Persians. These are men, possibly, these are scholars. These are the thinkers. These are the scientists of the day. These are highly intelligent men. It is their job to teach uh, younger men. It's their job to, to counsel kings and rulers. They're, again, highly intelligent, trained men in the arts and sciences and maths and, and, and things of that world. The, the men who could teach you how to build and, and how things work and everything else. Highly intelligent Gentile men. But I'd like you to take your Bible and look at Romans chapter number 1, if you will. In Romans chapter number 1, the Apostle Paul, a Jewish man with a great love for Israel, has been commissioned by God to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. And I'm glad he did. And God put a love in that man's heart for Gentile people. He says in verse number 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I like that phrase, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. My friend, the only thing I'm ashamed of is my sinful self. I'm not ashamed of Jesus. I'm ashamed I haven't done more for Jesus. 
But this power, this, this gospel of Christ is the power of God. It's able to save everyone that believes. Everyone. Anyone who wants to believe it can be saved. But notice, he, notice the order of things. He says to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Why to the Jew first? Oh, my friend, who, who was God pick? God chose Abraham to make a great nation of. And out of that great nation would come the Jewish people. And for the Jewish people would come the laws. And through the Jewish people would come the lineage, the, 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 the line in which Christ would come through. So they have the right to go first because they're the ones who have bore the burden of it all. They have preserved the scriptures. They have declared the message. They have been ostracized. They have been hated. They have been maligned throughout the centuries. And now the Messiah comes and the gospel is to go to them first. The Bible says preach the gospel to every creature starting where? In Jerusalem and Samaria and then to the uttermost parts of the earth but it's always God's always stressing take it to the Jews first because you owe it to them when we, we grow up in life and we realize that somebody's done something you know let them go first they deserve because they've been here longer and they 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 worked harder let them go first it's selfish people say no it's all about me let me cut in line and let me get my first no, when you, you mature you realize that no let them go. As Christians, we realize that the gospel should be going to the Jewish people because it, it's, it started with them. The reason you have this book, my friends, is because of Jewish people. Jewish men and women wrote this book. And Jewish men and women uh, risked their lives to preserve this book. And then it was tossed off and handed to the Gentiles for 2,000 years we've been doing it, which is not a, nothing compared to the last 3,000, which the Jews were doing it prior and God's going to turn to the Jewish people again, but to the Jew first. So, again, we see Christ, the Messiah. Who's he come to first? He comes to these lowly shepherds, these blue-collar men, these men that most of the world, by the way, Egyptians hate shepherds. They think it's, a low, it's, a, it's, a, it's the lowest form of job you can have on planet Earth to be a shepherd and take care of lousy, stinking sheep. But these men, it's a badge of honor. This is what we do. This is our profession. And so Christ... And the angel appears to them first. I also want you to notice that when we think of the shepherds and the wise men, I want you to understand that these are two diverse groups of people. These shepherds are men of the fields. Now, they are educated in their craft. Never think anybody's uneducated. If somebody has a job, they're, they're educated in their craft. And, 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 and you think, well, well, that's what they do. Can you do it? Can you do it? Well, no. Then, then be quiet. Then be quiet. Again, I always say this, but again, if you can speak two languages, never apologize for speaking one poorly. Uh, I, I speak English, and, I, and, I, and that one doesn't come out too well half the time. So don't apologize for your speaking your second language poorly. You're, you're doing far better than most people on planet Earth. So be, be, you got something going there. These shepherds, again, these are men educated in their craft. They know how to take care of sheep. They know how to, when a sheep is wounded and, and what a sheep needs. And everything that is, is, goes into that. Then there's a lot of work that goes into tending sheep. I, I read an excellent little book, a tiny little book. And, and it's a good book, by the way, for anybody to pick up and read. If you want to be in any kind of leadership position, it's called The Way of the Shepherd. It's a fascinating book. And it's basically about a, a, a shepherd who tells you about sheep and how to take care of sheep. And it's all that's involved in taking care of sheep and in making the application to humans 
But there's a lot that goes into t- tending sheep. A lot. So, but these are considered lowly men. They, they stink. They work with animals. They, 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 they smell like animals. And, they'll, and, 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 and it's just, it's just, society will tend to look down upon them. And then we see the, the wise men showing up. These men are ornate. They're dressed nicely. They are dressed in the fashion of the day. They are highly intelligent men. These are, for the sake of college-educated men, trained men in the arts and sciences and the maths and things of this world. These are, these are people who look up to these people. And when they come to Jerusalem, what do they want? Where is he that is born the king of the Jews? For we've seen a star in the east and are come to what? Worship him. These well-respected people are come to do what? To fall down and bow down and worship the king of the Jews. What a, what a thought. They're looking for a king. The, the shepherds were looking for a Messiah. The Gentiles were looking for the king. Because that's all they knew, by the way, those, the wise men knew. When we think of the shepherds, how many shepherds were there? We really don't know. There may have been a dozen. There may have been 20. We really don't know the number of the shepherds. But they, it was a, it's small in number in comparison to the, the city of Bethlehem. The light didn't shine upon Bethlehem. The light shone on a hillside outside Bethlehem on a particular group of men. Then we have God giving a star shining in the east signifying to a group of men. Again, we don't know how many wise men there were. There definitely were not three, but there were definitely a bunch of them, so much so that it terrified Herod that when they knocked on their door, he said, hey, where's the king of the Jews? And Herod was terrified. There's a group of guys outside want to meet the king. And I said, I'm the king. No, no, we want the king of the Jews. He's been born. God gave them a star to lead them there. Then that star directed them to Bethlehem and shone over the house where the Savior was. Again, we don't know what the star was, But it was something miraculous, something supernatural. But in both groups, in reality, they're both small groups. A small band of of Jewish shepherds and a small band of Gentiles. And really, nothing has changed, by the way. It's really just a small group of people that truly love Jesus Christ and want to serve him in comparison to the rest of the world. And so we see the God of heaven in the Christmas story dealing with who? All people. From the lowliest to the most educated, he's letting you know all people are to come to Jesus Christ. Nobody is exempt from uh, meeting Christ and knowing him. The gospel is for all men. The heavenly hosts cry out and they sing in verse number 12 where they sing glory to God. We go back to Luke's gospel. This heavenly host... Now all of a sudden the heavens break open. And we're not told how many angels there are. There's no known number of angels. It's, it's, it's an unknown number. There's 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands is the Bible description. Well, how many is that? Uh, to put it in highly intellectual words, lots. Right? There's lots. <laughs> there's, a, there's a whole slew of them. Amen. <laughs> there's a bunch of those angels out there. And all of a sudden the, heavenly, the heavens open up and these angels look beyond the angel of the Lord now and they see this multitude of angels crying out. And this is the, 
the third song in Luke's gospel. Zacharias sings a song, Mary sings a song, the angels sing a song, and then Simeon sings a song, all praising God. Four songs in the first few chapters of Luke's gospel. And we have this one brief song here, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. That's not much of a song. I'll guarantee it's better than a lot of things they're writing today. I was in a store. They had some song playing overhead. I'm, I'm making my coffee. And I'm like, what in the world does this mean? I've turned into my father. I'm like, what in the world? I have no idea what this means. Are we human or are we dancers? What does that even mean? What does that mean? Are we human or... So I'm just... And I'm thinking my father, who used to yell into the bedroom, tell those hippies there's only seven days in a week. Some of you old, you might get the reference, but that's, that's, uh, that's where we used to live. If you don't understand it, don't worry, I'm not going to explain it to you because we ain't going to discuss those music. I've done enough. You may have some songs in your head now. But understand something. The song they sing is a song worth listening to. Glory to God in the highest. And my friend, where is God? He's in the highest. God sits in heaven and rules and reigns. And there is the glory of God. So give God glory for who he is. He's worthy to be glorified. And then on earth, peace, goodwill towards men, which is probably one of the most misunderstood statements in the Bible. We sing the song, uh, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. It's a great song by uh, Longfellow wrote that song. And again, you, you, many of you know the story behind the hymn and how he wrote that song. But in the song he says, uh, There is no peace on earth for hate is strong and it mocks the song. And again, when we think of when he wrote that song, the, the American Civil War was raging and his, son, his wife had died in, in a house fire. His, uh, his son had snuck off to war and was, was severely wounded and almost paralyzed. So he, he gets his son home. His son is is recuperating from a near paralyzing deadly wound. His wife is dead. And he walks outside on Christmas Day. He hears bells ringing. He says, you know, it's all, it's all just a mockery. There is no peace on earth. Look at our country's tearing itself apart. We're, we're slaughtering each other wholesale. And there's no peace on earth. And then he understands the scriptures, understands the revelation that God will be right. God will have his way. And someday there will be peace on earth. But in the meantime, my friend, there is no peace on, the, on earth. Isaiah says, there is no peace, saith the Lord, unto the wicked. You go over to the United Nations building in, in, in Manhattan, they got that statue outside of a man taking a, a sword and beating into a plowshare. They stole that from Scripture where it says that someday men will take their swords and beat them into plowshares. Men will take military weapons and use them for farming equipment. I understand something. The UN is not going to do that. That is probably one of the most corrupt political bodies on planet Earth next to Washington, Moscow, and, and Tokyo, and every other government on planet Earth, but it's a corrupt body over there. They get money to fix that place up, and they steal it every year. They, they still got direct decorations on the wall from when they built that place, even though they get an allowance for new decorations, but they steal it and put on other things. That's my little side point. I'm getting off on a tangent now. Forgive me. But the United Nations is not going to bring world peace. No government. We, haven't, we don't have world peace. Look at our world right now, what's going on around the world. There's in, the, in Ukraine and in the Middle East and in Africa, there's all these rage, battles raging. And even now we're on the verge of war with all these nations, China doing what China wants to do and, and North Korea threatening and, and then everything. It's just the world's always been a powder keg. If we go back, oh, I like to go back and live in a certain time. I think I wouldn't want to live there because in a few more years, 
This event's going to happen. In a few more years, World War I's going to break out. I don't want to live there because that, the Civil War is going to break out. Not because then this, the revolution is going to break out. Or no, the, the, the Spanish Inquisition is going to break out. I don't want to. It's kind of. I, I'll stay right here because I don't know what's happening tomorrow. So it's all. It's all good. And besides, we have aspirins, and, and and you can't get aspirins back in those days. And I don't know what they did for headaches back then. But I, I kind of like ibuprofen. Amen. You get to be fifty-nine. It's like it's like Skittles now. You just <laughs> because back hurts. This hurts, and it's like <laughs> more Skittles and. Uh, my wife, you know, you shouldn't be taking that many. <sighs> what? <laughs> now, you're going to kill yourself. I've got to meet Jesus somehow. Now, just kidding, people. Just kidding. I'm going to meet him, but I'm not, <laughs> is not going to take me out, I guarantee you. There is no peace on earth. We live in a day, where, again, where we need to t- understand this. We, need to t- we live in a time where we need to take our, <laughs> our, our plowshares and beat them in the swords because there's wicked men out there who want to do wicked things and we have to defend ourselves. And, and, and as a nation, we have to protect ourselves from because there's always going to be a, a Hitler. There's always going to be a Stalin. There's always going to be a, you know, a, a, a Genghis Khan. There's always going to be somebody who just wants to, to burn the place down. And, and, it, and it requires good men to stand up and oppose those things. There is no peace on earth. So what is the angel speaking about? When the angel says peace on earth, we don't have peace. There hasn't been peace in 2,000 years. There hasn't been peace in all these years. There hasn't been peace since outside the garden where Cain slew his brother. So what is the angel talking about? Take your Bibles and look at Romans chapter number 5, if you will. Romans chapter number 5. He's speaking of another type of peace that we all need. In Romans chapter number 5 and verse number 1, the Bible says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. My friend, when we came to, to, to faith in Christ, we, we were given peace with God. Understand the, the situation here. Here's God and all His holiness and here's us in our sinfulness. God is reaching out to us. Man does not reach out to God. Man mocks God. Man looks at God's rules and ridicules them and, and mocks them. Oh, you, we, we can't do this and we can't do that. Christianity is a bunch of do's and don'ts. Well, no, it's not. Christianity is trusting Jesus Christ as Savior. <laughs> and then because I am saved, I, I, I don't want to do certain things because I'm saved now. I just don't do that no more. I don't desire to do that anymore. Because I'm saved now. Jesus has changed my heart. That's the difference, my friend. And I don't do and don't do to be saved. I do it because I am saved. That's the difference in my life. But prior to my salvation, I was the one at war with God. I was the one saying, well, you know, that Bible. You know, what do you think, that Bible? You know, you know, who's God think he is? If God was here, I'd tell I was the one fighting God. God's reaching out to me. God's trying to help me. God's trying to direct me. I'm the one fighting God. When I came to Christ, though, Christ gives me peace with God because here I am, a wretched sinner, vile and dirty and unholy. And when Christ dies on Calvary's cross and rises again, and I believe upon him, what's he do for me? He gives me his righteousness. I wear his glory. I wear his holiness because I have none of my own. He has removed my filthy rags and given me his garment, which gives me access to God. 
and I can walk in the presence of God. I have peace with God through my Lord Jesus Christ. So when the angel says peace on earth, he's letting them know, men, you can have peace with God because the one who is going to give you that peace is now arrived. He's shown up in Bethlehem. He's here. My friend, understand something. At his second coming, when Christ returns one day, he is called the Prince of Peace, and he will put down all unrighteousness. He will put down all rebellions in the world, and he will establish peace on earth, and all the nations of the earth will go to worship the king who has established his throne in Jerusalem. That's another sermon for another time. But the message we see of the shepherds and the angels is a message to all men. And my friend, the gospel is for all. You see, I'm, 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 you need to understand something. The word all means all. Whosoever means whosoever. Any means any. And world means world. That's not code language for some secret select group. That, it's, 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 it's you all come. <laughs> You're all invited. Whosoever is a thirst may come and take of the water of life freely, the Bible says. Who's thirsty? I'm thirsty. Well, come on in. Come on in. I remember years ago, my, my brother was in the backyard, and I was looking out the back window, and my, their friend's mother came, and she made some dessert. I forget what it was, but it must have been some frozen treat. And uh, she had a tray of them. I remember her standing in my backyard, and I'm looking out the window at it, and I'm watching my brothers tear into these things with all their friends in there. And I'm like, man, I really like to have one of them things. But there I am in the window staring at it. And she looked up at me, and she goes, come on down. Now, me being shy, I was out there in three seconds flat and, uh, <laughs> and got me one of them bad boys. Amen. It was free. And come on down. You want one? I'm like, man, my brothers are lucky. They're getting, they're getting, they're, wow, I, I want. <laughs> one day, my friend Jesus looked at me and he said, Matt, come on over, Matt. You ever have people wave at you? You ever, you ever people waving you? Please say yes, because I, I, I don't want to be the only one who's done that. We used to have a lady at the snack shop down the street here, and she, she forgive me, she was cross-eyed, so she'd talk, what do you want, hon? You'd be like, you're, you're talking to me? Yeah, Matt, what do you want? I'm like, oh, okay. That's like, that's like, you know when, forgive me, that's a true story, by the way, but I shouldn't tell those things. But Jesus looked right at me and said, Matt, you thirsty? I said, yes, Lord. Well, come on over, Matt. <laughs> I mean, me? You can come on over. Whosoever will may come. My friend, the, the, the Christmas story, again, it's not just for Jewish people, not just for Jewish shepherds. It's a message for all mankind. All of God's creation is invited to come. The Savior who, gave, who came at Bethlehem would grow to be a sinless man, never sinned, sacrifice himself on Calvary's cross, be buried and rise again the third day, and ascend back to heaven so that he can return again one day. But in the meantime, it's here for salvation. It's available to all men. Whosoever will may come. Let's stand together for prayer.
Lord, we do thank you for your goodness and mercy. We thank you for the Christmas story. A Savior is born. And Lord, the message went to shepherds. It went to wise men. It made it to Herod's ears. It made it to the scribes' ears. It made it to the city, the people in the city of Bethlehem. They all heard it. But Lord, just a few came. And Lord, it's still true today. So just a few want the message. Just a few want, to, want Jesus Christ. Lord, help us today to take the message to those we know and love, to those we don't know, and tell them a Savior's born and how they can have their sins forgiven and have peace with God and the promise of heaven. Thank you for this Christmas season and the joy, the hope, and promises that we are reminded of and made afresh and new in our hearts and lives. Lord, we love you and we thank you. We pray in Jesus' name.